introduce a familiar friend to you, uh, my friend of many years now, Al and Laura Robbins from Berwick, Maine. I preached for Al uh, multiple times there as well as he's uh, preached for me. And um, there's so many things I could tell you about he and his family. Um, and those of you that have done life with me a long time, you know, I, I don't do false compliments. I don't, anytime somebody's flattering you, it's usually to take advantage of you, so you have to be careful. But I want to tell you, I don't know if I have any finer people as friends, godly people as friends, than Alan Laura Roberts. Their love for the Lord and the local church and their children and grandbabies, their history of service pulses with the glory of the Lord. And it's a privilege of mine uh, to share this pulpit with him today. Would you bless my brother and my good friend, Al Robbins, as he comes. is here today. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. So I even, uh, I even uh, ate his cooking this morning. That was a real breakthrough for me, I'll tell you. Started with uh, scrambled eggs, moved on to a sirloin strip steak, and then I snuck a... Uh, Roro, which is uh, mm -hmm. Elisha taught me what Roros are, and I've been on very strict low carb for over six months, and then I came here, and I was good at uh, what was that barbecue place, that champion place over here, uh, Bob's. Georgia Bob's, and I got, uh, what did I get? Brisket with no sauce, and then I, I got a pound, and I did not want your pastor to feel like I didn't like it, so I ate the entire pound, and so we had a, I did good for two days at their house. He had a basket the size of the top of this pulpit full of uh, chewy bars and popcorn. When it started, there were three brownies in there. So I've had a rough uh, 36 hours, so pray for me. Uh, what a time we've had. It's great to have my wife with me today. We're back together. Amen. We, we've been separated at night because the guest room has two amazing queen beds. And, and at our age... It's awesome because you both toss and turn so much. We say, we don't want to think people we don't get along, people to think that, but we get along fine, believe me. But to be in two separate queen beds with memory phone and all that, I'll meet you in three days. You know what I'm saying? We had a ball. And you know, when you hit, when you hit at least 35, 40, well, actually, no, 
I'll be 59 in two weeks. You get up a few times during the night, you know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, uh, we had a great time. I have your pastor and Kelly's uh, address in my GPS as John and Kelly Farmville. So we have a good time. But uh, my wife is here today, and we are back together again. We're never apart. I appreciate my wife. You guys know the story. Uh, but she wrote me her first note when she was 11, and I was 12, and asked me to circle the note, and I never answered it. But we celebrated our 40th anniversary, August 6th of this year. And we still have the note in a fireproof file in our closet. And we got it out the other day and looked at it. And it's just amazing what God will do. It's good to be here today with you. Uh, your pastor changed my life. I was just thinking at least 15 years ago when you started coming to preach for me. First thing he did was give me a real high-quality watch that I don't dare wear. I still have it, but I break everything, so I just have it. Uh, I'm a hoarder, yes, but anyway, I don't like to ruin it. But uh, great memories together, a lot, of, a lot of stories we could tell about our church. We were redoing an old warehouse, an old Ford dealership, and... Uh, old factory from the 1800s, and he came and graced us. And uh, from day one, I began learning a lot of things that have improved me and helped me. And he's been a one of those that Scripture says, iron sharpens iron. One of the greatest things about your pastor, he sharpened me in a non-threatening way, not a rude, challenging way, but in a gentle coming alongside of and just observing him and his life has made me a better pastor than I ever was before I knew Pastor John. And I appreciate him. He's been so generous and helpful to us and blessed us. And I'll tell you more about friendship at the end of the message, but we got to get down to business today. Uh, in fact, I still have a note from him uh, that I carry in my Bible. There's no date, so I don't know how many years ago you gave that to me says, love you guys so much and believe in you. Sorry, hard to read when we're between churches right now. You guys know we've been in a four-year holding pattern. My wife's been battling cancer. Uh, she's had her last chemo about a month ago, and we have her last scan this week where I believe she's going to ring the bell by faith. And uh, we believe in you, your call, your heart, your ministry, and your friendship. <laughs> Yours, John. So I keep that in my case, my beat-up old case with my, my old King James Bible that I've had since I was 13 that's been everywhere with me right next to my Christ Chapel pen that I stole on the way in. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word today. Speak to us, God. Thank you for your presence and spirit that we are so aware of this morning. You've been so good to each of us, Father. 
We know you have a word. We know you have a message. All we care about is to hear directly from you today, God, speak to us. Challenge those of us that need to be challenged. Encourage those of us that need to be encouraged. Bring results that only your Holy Spirit can bring. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's always a little bit apprehensive for me to come and speak here because your pastor was always the favorite guest speaker at our church. They would rave about it. There's one guy still, Brian Smith, will often say, man, if you had a church, you got to get Pastor John back. They can quote his notes and outlines are so concise and uh, they liked him in part because he preached shorter than I did. I get too rambling. I'm going to be careful of that today. But I always feel at home f here. I don't feel any pressure from anybody. I, I feel such love and appreciation, and we appreciate all your prayers. We know we're on the edge of God doing something great. By the way, when we were here a year ago, last September 11th, all the cards and notes and gifts from you guys I kept driving, my wife kept opening one at a time and reading every word, and I think we still have those in the back closet. They meant so much to us, more than you'll ever know. We are very grateful for your uh, encouragement last year. It was amazing. I had a message ready until Tuesday morning. I was ready to deliver a word to you about Joseph, but Tuesday morning, driving down here, we drove down, we left our, our youngest daughter, which is our chocolate lab, Phoebe, we left her in Rhode Island with our daughter and her two dogs, and then we took off, and we got as far as Spotsylvania, Pennsylvania. Anybody know where that is on 95? South of Fredericksburg, isn't it? Somewhere in there right when you're so glad you went I-95 because of the traffic. Uh, amazing. It's like constant 30 minutes within Atlanta at 5 p.m., but all the way from, from just about Roanoke. No, not Roanoke. Uh, probably from D.C. all the way up through to Maine. I'm considering getting my pilot's license because... You can't get anywhere. Going to my daughter's in Rhode Island, it can be two hours and 15 minutes or three and a half hours. There's no way to tell. And it's just plugged everywhere. But we got there in that night, and I got up early. Was, there was a separate section to the bedroom, like a living room area at the hotel we stayed in, a comfort suite. And uh, I was just out there having my morning prayer time and letting my wife rest. We'd been on the road all, a, all day the day before. And I, I came across a scripture and he began to just speak to me. And I just began to cry because he touched me for today. And this is the second time I've preached this message. The first time was about an hour after I got it. A lady we'd met the night before who worked at the hotel saw us in the truck we had, were sitting there with the engine running, and we were praying for God to order our steps and to use us. She worked at the hotel, housekeeper or something, 
And we're backed in. I always back in. It's a habit I've had since police work years ago. In case you have to respond to what, I don't know. But I back in. She pulled up and started waving and then pulled in beside of us and started pouring her heart out. Glad to meet me as a pastor the night before. Began to talk to us. She'd lost her mother in May. She was probably in her 50s. Lost her husband in June. A month or two later, lost their home and was living at an adjacent motel for 25 bucks a night, loving Jesus but trying to explain what she was going through and having a difficult time. So the first time I preached this was in the parking lot to her and her 20-some-year-old daughter who pulled in and the two grandkids And we shared with them, and God prompted us to give her something. And she was getting ready to run a townhouse. And so while she's sitting in her car, I'm talking for a minute. I turned to my wife and said, honey, get in my wallet. And I'm embarrassed to admit this. I said, give me 20 bucks to give her. And my wife said, now usually we're always equally generous, but I was a little tight because it was the beginning of the trip. You ever get a little nervous on a trip? And my wife said, honey, that's nothing. We need to give her 100. I said, okay, do we? Okay. So I'm swallowing hard. Come on, anybody have that, husbands and wives? And we always try to err on the side of generosity. We gave her 100 bucks, and she told us she needed money to get to secure this lease. Later in the day, she called us and went nuts over how God got her into that place, how God put us together and... So I preached this to her and her daughter, a message from Mark 2, if you have your Bibles, entitled, Rip the Roof Off. I'm going to talk to us today, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're facing, and I'm going to challenge you and I to rip the roof off whatever is holding us back. If I had a stretcher, I'd lay it out here for you to look at while I preach. But there's no stretcher here. Everybody's too healthy, I guess. Should have a stretcher uh, in the wings. But God poured this into my heart so deeply on Tuesday morning at about 5.30 in that hotel and said, you're going to share this because I want to encourage folks to rip the roof off regarding their past and to rip the roof off regarding your present and to rip the roof off regarding your future, and finally we're going to look at surrounding yourself with good friends that can get you to where you need to go. Can you say amen? In Mark 2, I'm in my old Beter Bible, my old King James, that's been with me for, I don't know, a thousand years. Uh, In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Keep your finger right there or keep your eye on the screen. If Jesus is in the house, nothing else is important. If he's not in the house, then don't go there. I was sitting there thinking during the worship and your pastor's comments and seeing what was happening and feeling what was happening, my literal thoughts were, this is a church I'd want my kids to attend my grandkids to attend and be part of because Jesus is in the house. 
It's not crazy. It's not following the latest trend. We've known Pastor John and Christ Chapel for a number of years, and it's a stable church that watches things come and go, but just stays focused and continues. And so word got out, as it does today, that Jesus was in the house. And so verse 2 says, And straightway many were gathering together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. I'd love to, I'm not going to, but I'd love to call you all in tight and, and say, here's Jesus where that covered electrical places in the floor and it's a house and it was crowded. Have you ever been in a place so crowded that you're not nervous but you are now? As they were sliding me into an MRI tunnel a few years ago for a back scan, an entire universe scan, and they're asking me what type of music do you want? I said, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not going to relax. But they said, are you nervous in small confined spaces and I said no I never have been <clears throat> until now and uh, I said but I practiced I slept last night upside down in a trash can in the dark <laughs> and that should help a lot but anyway at least it smelled better but anyway so they're gathered you're in a tight place and a lot of people wouldn't stay but because it was Jesus tell your neighbor right now if Jesus is in the house Facilities don't even matter. These are great facilities, but this is not the point of why we gather at every service. If Jesus is in the house and stays in the house and becomes the reason that we attend and remains the reason we attend, something is going to happen. Verse 3, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So here's the King James unscramble. We all know it. Four guys are carrying a sick guy who can't walk, and they're carrying him. Where are they carrying him to what? To see Jesus. They're not worried about what the facilities are like. They're coming to see Jesus. And when they couldn't come nigh unto him for the press, there's just too many people. Listen, when they couldn't get near him, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes there, and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins? You know, do you know we still have religious people around? They had them then, that whole group. If you've checked the family tree on Ancestry.com, there's some people I could tell you that I've experienced. You could say, oh, yes, you go directly back to this crowd. Listen, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. And, and, but that they may know 
that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise. And I, in other words, I'm just going to demonstrate what I can do, what God the Father can do through me. I am going to tell you right now, take up your bed and walk, and uh, take the bed up, and your sins are forgiven. But you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up your bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately, everybody say immediately, he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, duh, and glorified God, whoa, and said, we never saw anything on earth like this. It's time for us to rip the roof off, folks. They came to Jesus, and they got there, and they could not get in. There were so many people. It was so crowded. They have physically carried their friend, and they got there, and they can't get to Jesus because there's no room. It's impossible. So they, they said, well, never mind. And they left. And they went home. Is that what happened? They literally climbed the building. You're teaching. And suddenly... Somebody's cutting a hole, ripping off the tile and the straw and the clay and the pitch and whatever else they used. And everybody's here, and Jesus is teaching. I kind of figure out in a few minutes they figured out something was up. And down comes this guy on a stretcher, and the whole miracle took place. I want to talk to us today about ripping the roof off. Three things get in our way. Three things get in our way. Number one, our past. I want us to rip the roof off our past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 describes it as we, we have become, if we've accepted Christ, not if we attend church, not if we're a member, not if we go to a small group or a life group, not if our kids go to kids' church or nursery, but if we have personally, not our wife necessarily, not our husband, not our parents, if we have personally come to Jesus Christ of Nazareth and asked him into our lives, into our heart, and to change us and to forgive us, if we have invited him in, we are new creatures. <coughs> Ephesians 2, 1 says, You hath he quickened who were dead. He's quickened us. We're not the men we used to be. You know my testimony that my dad was an alcoholic. My grandfather blew his brains out while intoxicated because he was so discouraged because he had lost his driver's license and it was during the Depression. It was the Depression era and he could no longer provide for his family and he got so discouraged he went out in the woods and shot himself while drinking because he was discouraged over his failures from drinking. My dad picked it up and drank so long and hard that my parents divorced. And I was raised with a non-resident father who lived in California. And later on, at age 46, he started going to AA and learned about a higher power and stopped drinking. And later on, I introduced him to Jesus. 
and he accepted Christ and attended our church. And, and this rough old ex-boxer and lumberjack and World War II veteran would just cry like a baby during service. And every service he would say, son, this was the best service I've ever been in. It's the greatest sermon you've ever preached. Everything, you, every, every, every service topped the last one in his eyes and spirit because of what Jesus will do if you come to Jesus and Jesus is in the house, your friend who knows nothing about God, who doesn't understand it, if you bring them here to the house of God and they have an encounter with him, they'll get saved by the Spirit of God and they'll change and they'll stop drinking and never drink for 40-some years until God <coughs> calls them to heaven. And you are not, you are not what your past was. Everybody say, my past was. I don't care what you've been through, where you've been, how low you've fallen, what addiction you've had. If you will come to Jesus, it will effectively rip the roof off your past. We can't escape our past, but we can bring it to God, confess our sins, confess our faults one to another, and lay it at his feet. I don't care if it was yesterday, last week, or 20 years ago. The blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth has paid for every sin. I love the old gospel song that says, He knew me, yet he loved me. He knew me. We've been friends, if you've been friends with somebody over 15 years, you know the psychotic stuff about each other. But you love each other. I don't have all the friends I started with. Anybody else? But we've been stuck for years. In fact, yesterday, I'm up early, the kids became my prayer partner which is a little challenging. Father, right now we pray. Oh, yeah, I like that horsey. That's nice. And uh, I made them this famous, I said, do you want some famous butterfly toast? And you cut it at an angle and you flip it and you put a strip of bacon in. Pastor John, when I got there, the day I got there, he made eight pounds of bacon knowing I could snack on anything protein. We cleaned that out in about 24 hours maybe. <laughs> We, uh, he got on protein diet, too, for a couple hours. Anyway, uh, and I'm sitting there. My wife's down in the guest room. Pastor John's in his room, and, uh, you know, I'm having a ball with the kids, and, and suddenly we're in, and I'm on. I'm in a recliner, and I think Olivia's in a recliner, and uh, I don't know. They, all the kids were on couches and recliners, and we were teaching. I was teaching them the very detailed lesson of how we are on islands and this is all water. And when I'd go back to refill my coffee, just to keep them so I could think for five minutes, I'd have them swim back to the kitchen with me to get the coffee. And partway we'd hold on to the table because that's another island. We don't want the sharks and snakes to get us. And so it all went from there. And so I guess I was a little loud because... Pastor John and my wife kept saying after they could just hear me from their different areas of the house saying, no, get back on the island. We're on an island. This is an island. And so, you know, you have fun 
with the kids, and then you tell the story, and you have no idea why you told that story. But now, what was I talking about? It must have been. It was the second row row I had. I think carbs are affecting my brain today. Listen, if you can get them to the island of Jesus, they're going to be all right. Amen. And it's a real island. Boy, I barely pulled that one out, didn't I? So I still have no idea what I was getting at. Let's just close, all right? No, just kidding. Listen, is this helping anybody? I'm just sharing my heart from Tuesday morning. We've made decisions, too, in our past, and we've closed two different churches that we felt like it was God, and to this day, I'm not even sure. There are times we've given things away. There are times we've sold a house, given a check for 20 grand. That's the total of what we made two years in a go, two years in a row. Four and three years ago, things are coming up now. We're still making less than we used to give away every year, but nothing is late check my credit lately and and it was a recently and it was an 813 with no income no steady income yeah he's 813 and so i traded trucks again 813 i figured if we have no budget might as well step out let's go we need it for business you know our our other truck made us 30 some grand this year so uh, literally, that's what this truck is doing. We do antiques and repurpose furniture and go to flea markets. And there's a flea market we go to every week. And the owner's 81, dear Methodist brother. He said, Al, you're not here to sell stuff. You're here to be our pastor. Come with me. I want you to lay hands on this dealer over here that has cancer. He needs prayer. So they all know us as pastors at a flea market, an outdoor market with 200 and some dealers. They send them to us. Come on. Child issues, uh, divorce settlements, lawsuits, they bring them to us. In the meantime, we might sell a couple grand a week. So thank God for that. If Jesus is in your life, you can introduce him that he can change their past. So I don't know about all, all our past, and sometimes you have regrets. Anybody battle with regrets? Maybe you made a mistake or two. Nobody. No hands up for that. Oh, three people. I thought Jesus was in the house. He is now. Okay, I see some more. Listen. You're sitting there thinking, boy, if I raise my hand, everyone will think it's me. Well, yeah. Come on. Listen, if Jesus is in the house, and if you rip the roof off your past and stop going back there, step beyond your past, don't like that stress you or stop you, an incident can't define you. An incident can't define you. Something that happened in your life 30 years ago, 10 years ago, or one week ago, that's not you. Something happened. And the minute we think, well, I'm glad that wasn't me, God's going to roll the footage of us on the screen. Because we all got our stuff. Especially the holy, righteous, religious crowd. Thank God I haven't sinned in over 30 years. Well, there you go. You blew it now, Miss Arrogant. Come on. Now we need to grow in grace. We don't just go crashing through life, sinning everywhere. The Bible says we're to grow in grace. We've come to Jesus. He rips the roof off our past. He gets us beyond it. 
and gets us through, we need to move beyond that. History is full of famous failures. Secondly today, we need to rip the roof off. My timer shut off again. Oh, boy. In conclusion, no, listen, I'm almost done. Is there a clock? Okay, I see it. Good. Thank you. That's going to help. Between this and that, it still doesn't work. Anyway, we need to rip the roof off our present. Sometimes our present can be so overwhelming, it can cripple our planning and thinking. Sometimes our present, we have to accept where it's at, but sometimes what the doctor says can cripple our planning and our thinking. Sometimes our present can get in the way if we allow it to. We're too sick. We're too old. Anybody ever have those thoughts? I'll never because I, well, I guess I'll never know. Well, it's too late now to know. Wait a minute. Nothing is too late with God. Pastor referenced a couple of ladies in the Bible a few minutes ago. Did anybody catch that? Our present condition cannot limit the greatness of our God. Our present situation is the same as our past in the area that none of that can restrict God's plan for our destiny if we'll just rip the roof off our present. We're not too sick. We're not too old. We have not made too many false starts. I was at a conference recently at my son's church, a pastor's conference, about a month ago, and they had a preacher there that had planted three different churches in the same city in a matter of like 10 years. And finally, the third time, it worked. It's going crazy. And that said to me, yeah, that sounds like me. (laughs) Come on. God is not limited by our present. The present condition of this man was paralysis, and his friends got there, and they made the trip. We don't know how far it was, but they couldn't get him to Jesus. And the key was and always will be getting us to Jesus. And they couldn't get him there, but the present condition and circumstances could not limit him. I don't care what the diagnosis is. We're not leaving here until he says so. Come on. It's no fun. It's scary. You shed a lot of tears. There were times in my wife's situation, even three years ago, I'd go out on the back deck in the middle of the night and look up at the sky and cry out to God in the cold, in the winter, saying, God, please help us heal my wife. And that's been three years. And I'm planning on 40 more. I want to celebrate our 80th anniversary together in the name of Jesus. We are, we are going to be like Abraham, who in Romans 4 it said he staggered not at the promises of God. In Romans 4, he did not stagger. He did not say this can't work, it can't happen, it's not going to happen. You can literally be 45 years old with three new children under the age of six. Hey, there it is right there. And (laughs) Pastor John said yesterday or two days ago, I'm sitting at breakfast and he's cooking and taking care of us and I'm sitting there with the kids and, and I said, I think I said to Isabel, I said, I have grandkids your age. And he turned from the stove and said, hey, wait a minute. 
he said, uh, these aren't my grandkids. Thanks a lot. So I watched him one morning and I said, man, I was exhausted watching him meeting every need while Sister Kelly's away at this retreat. And we're all going to dance when she gets back. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my goodness, man. We had a ball. I told my son last night on the phone, I said, son, I am now stuck with three more grandkids. Now I have ten. I said, I love these kids so much, man. I just love them. It's amazing. We love them. But now they're a little older. They're even more fun. Wait till they're like... 35 and I'm 115 coming to visit. It's going to be amazing. We have been through the toughest four years of 40 years of marriage and 40 years of ministry, but I'm telling you right now, the present condition of what we've gone through, God has met every need. Nothing has been late, and I have no concern for my future because Jesus is in the house. And finally... Finally, we're going to rip the roof off our future. I'm going to confess to you, I've always been a type A, just do it. I've planted churches. I've bought buildings with no money, and, and we've paid them off early and had mortgage burnings for churches and done things. But the last four years, it's like God has put me in a holding pattern. And I'm saying, I'm ready to land <laughs> Let's go. What's next? Father, here I am. Send me. And he's saying, I know you where you are. Stay. Stay in your plane. Just wait. Well, there's an opportunity. No, that's not it. There's another one. No, you're not called there. Here's one. Nope. But Lord, you know my track record and testament. Yeah, I do know that. That's why I'm teaching you something right now about waiting. Son, you've done more things that you didn't even ask me about. <laughs> and I just kind of smiled and put my hand on you and got you through it. But for this, for this, for once in your life, young man, you're going to be in a holding pattern and until I speak to you, until I show you. You're not going to do it because you're type A and full of energy and all the rest and you're a dreamer and a visionary. You're going to wait and you will land where I tell you and when I tell you, no matter how tough that might be to you, you little rascal, come on. I think God can call us a rascal sometime if we have been. I think he smiles at us when he says it, but we need to rip the roof off our future. And sometimes we have to balance. Pastor John and I were talking a few weeks ago, and he put it this way. I don't want to birth an Ishmael are you with me? Because I'm in my holding pattern. And this is for somebody today. I don't know any of your circumstances, but you may be the go, 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 high energy. You don't even need coffee. You're a mile down the road as soon as the alarm goes off. Come on. God is speaking, and you don't want to birth an Ishmael, but you don't want to be stale and stop believing that can happen at age 59. Come on. Anybody? Some of you that are young and single, you're going to that dinner group on Thursdays, is it? And you're thinking, I'll never get married. Anybody ever have that thought? 
Any young people here? They all left. No, just kidding. Come on. One of my daughters was saying that. And uh, one day I was giving out free coffee coupons at Starbucks. I keep them in my truck, and I saw four sailors, and I gave them to these guys. I said, I'm not trying to gain any points. You'll never see me again. I'm a local pastor. I'm not even a veteran. I just want to tell you, it's Memorial Day. You guys must have been at a parade. You're in your dress uniforms. I respect our veterans, and I appreciate you. And these are just coffee coupons. It's no big deal, but I thank you. And even as a non-veteran, I'm not trying to gain points with you because we'll never see each other again. We appreciate you. I walked to my truck, and one kid followed me there. And uh, within like a year and a half, <laughs> now it's been how many years? Four years. Now he's the father of two of my grandsons. No, a grandson and a granddaughter. You know, you get seven. You don't know how many you have of each. You're just glad you have them. And now I got three more anyway. And so my daughter's thinking, oh, boy, what will I do? I said, you just keep waiting on God. And little did I know, a coffee coupon would get me a wonderful son-in-law that works hard, that loves on her. That So now everyone's going to head for coffee before I close. Come on, I know. All the single people meet at exit, what is it, 197, I don't know, somewhere down there. Listen, we got to rip the roof off our future. Uncertainty has stopped many a dream, many a destiny. How are we going to do this? Tell me you've wrestled with it, that I'm not the only one. What will people say? I mean, what would people say if we changed our church building? You know, like we moved several times over the years, and uh, we had a warehouse, and, and I would freak people out because we'd switch our offices. And one night I was teaching on that book, Who Moved My Cheese? I got that from you. You got me turned on to that. And it was a Wednesday night. You remember how we had several doors down the main sidewalk and all that? And I locked all the other doors and closed everything, and said, do not enter, close, and all that. And the people that came Wednesday night walked in the middle door that we might use once a year, old wooden door in an 1800s building, and they came in, and I'd rearrange all the tables and chairs and everything. And coming in, I'm just sitting back, while, oh, what is this? And they're going around tables. And they finally get in, and we started the series that way, Who Moved My Cheese? And it was about dealing with change. And... We're in that God's moved our cheese for four years now, and there's got to be cheese somewhere. Come on. Listen. Uncertainty will stop us. What will people say? Have you ever held up getting to your miracle because you've wondered, well, what could go wrong? Have you ever Googled your illness? Oh, help us, Father. I bumped my knuckle on the lawnmower spark plug, and I cut it. And so you Google it, knuckle injuries. That could be hamaphrolabingalinga. Keep an eye on your feet. Now you've been on Google three hours and 45 minutes, and you have self-diagnosed everything. 
and your wife comes out, it's two in the morning, and you're sitting in your chair, no lights on, nothing with your eyes wide. What happened? A lot of my mind. What happened? Cut my knuckle, started looking stuff up. I realized I'm making an appointment tomorrow. I've got to completely remove my skeletal system. <laughs> I... I need to remove my hands so I don't Google stuff. Come on. We worry about a plane crashing into our house. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't have time. I could tell you some stories. Listen, fear of the unknown. What's the test result going to say? Threats and issues and incidents that will probably never happen. These guys that were carrying this man refused to let what could go wrong? What will people think? When they came to the edge of that building, they had one plan was to get to Jesus because Jesus was in the house. And they climbed the roof and not one concern of what will people think, what is this going to cost us? Somebody had to pay for that. Come on. Maybe they were arrested. Who knows? We don't know all their details. We do know that they got their friend through the roof and that he still got the whole world in his hands. In Matthew 6, he said, don't take any thought for tomorrow because it'll take care of itself. And he goes in that whole passage, Matthew 6, consider the lilies and the birds. I take care of them. Aren't you more valuable? Don't worry about tomorrow when you're ripping the roof off. Drop the defeated talk and stop beating yourself up. Decide what's in your way. Here's how you wind it down to rip it off. Number one, decide what's in your way. It could be messy, but address what is holding you back. You got that? Number two, drop the negative defeated talk. Stop beating yourself up. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming what they did to you. Everybody comes into our life for us to grow and learn from. No matter what, there are benefits. And then begin to speak life over yourself that I, I'm going to make it. God's got a plan for me. If I've sinned, I'm going to change. I'm going to repent. I will grow. And then get up, get up, get up, get up. The key element as we close is, listen, surround yourself with amazing friends. Amazing friends. How many friends probably visited this guy and sat there hearing his story and said, wow, that's too bad, man. Wow. Hey, good to see you. How many of you had somebody ask how you're doing and you know they're not even listening? Anybody? How you doing? Well, I just, you know, got fell out of a plane and landed on a cactus and had to stitch my insides back in myself with some thread. I had to crawl and get out of my wife's cabinet and and thought, oh wow, yeah. Okay. Well, where do we want to go to lunch? You ever have people like that? I have been the guy like that that hasn't listened sometimes. Get around people that are listening, that are not only listening, but they're caring. Surround yourself not just with friends out there in the workplace, but godly people. Godly people. It's very clear in Scripture in Ecclesiastes 4, it talks about how how. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And getting around godly people. The Bible speaks of godly counsel. Don't get friends around you who are simply going to agree with you. 
iron sharpens iron. Get around people that will not only listen, but they will act on your behalf. Decide what's in your right. Drop the defeated talk. Speak life. Speak scripture. Get in the word. Pray. Get to church. Don't miss church. You ever notice, usually, if we skip church, because it's when we needed it the most. Anybody ever skip church? No, just me. Okay. Oh, two people. Thank you. Let's talk after three of us. Listen. It's usually when you needed it the most that God has something. Surround yourself. A church that will challenge you to change is a group of friends that you can see change in your life. If Jesus is in the house, you're going to find friends that can take you higher. Not just any friend, but loyal friends. Anybody know what a loyal friend is? They'll tell you the truth and they'll support you. And here's a tip. Not that there's ever any gossip in churches. But if somebody comes to you and you're all bubbly about somebody, Brother Joe, oh, he's wonderful, and they kind of scowl and say, yeah, let me tell you something about him. Have you ever run into that? You want to fix that? Simply say, okay, wait, 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 just a minute. Pull out a pen and paper and say, the only thing is, according to Scripture, if you're talking bad about our pastor or my friend or my neighbor or my sister, I'm gonna, I need to give, you, give them your name and what you said so they can address it and so there can be restoration. That's a biblical principle. So now go ahead, let me know. Oh, never mind. You know what I mean? If more of us would do that, churches would be healed. We just toss out garbage about somebody when we don't even know half the truth to make ourselves look better. Thank you for those amens. What if we only supported for one week? What if we were positive for a week? We need friends that will believe in us who will stand in the gap when we're criticized and ostracized. Friends who will talk to Jesus, who simply refuse to allow any obstacle to hinder our destiny. Active friends who refuse to sit by on the sidelines. Friends who will go the distance. Friends who will react and not simply reflect. Let me say that again. Friends who will react and not simply reflect. They believe when you can't even believe for yourself. And your pastor has been exactly that for me. Your pastor has been a friend who has believed. And I'm a real person of faith and a visionary and a dreamer. There are many times that I struggle over the last 15 years or so that we've known each other. And he's believed in me. Case in point is that note that he wrote me a few years ago. And I want to tell you today, your pastor during this season, I hate to confess or admit this, but there are times I have to work on a Sunday morning. I hope I'm not in trouble. Because we make like a couple of grand, and during the week there's no shows that do anything. We'll drive two hours. and We try to sell online. You know, we're trying to change marketing. They're coming in, but almost every summer, every Sunday that I had to work, one person would call me. 
one person knew that when, when I'm not preaching and I have to go do a show to provide for my family and our obligations, one person would call me almost every week and say, I just want, you know, because we're setting up at 5.30 in the morning, so, you know, he might call at 6, 7 o'clock, <coughs> say, I'm headed to the church. I just want, you know, I know where your heart is today, and I know it's a struggle, but you're doing the right thing to take care of your wife and your needs, and I want you to know God's got something for you. <laughs> Nothing's over yet. He called me. Your pastor called me on Pastor's Appreciation Day while you're giving it to him on his way to church. I'm at a dirty flea market selling a bunch of junk, antique tables, dressers, all that stuff that we've made. Your pastor called me, and he said, I want you to know I appreciate and respect you as a pastor and your years that you've invested in the kingdom of God and you hang in there. One of these weeks is going to be your last flea market. God's got something big. And I just want to thank God for friends like that. Could we just say, God, would you help us to be, Pastor John? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'll pray for anybody that needs prayer. And thank you for putting up with this guy today. I love you guys. Thank ben, you, if you'd come for just a moment. Ben, are you close by? <laughs> that would be yes. <laughs> Thank you, Al. I don't rarely, very rarely have people outside of our church come because when they do, they preach sermons. And I just need to hear from the Lord. I can do my study at home. Amen? I just need to hear from the Lord. And today, I just want to recapsulate and pray over this local body of believers that I get to be a part of. Don't let your past define you. Don't let your present intimidate you. And don't let the future, you know, cause fear. Not intimidated. We're, we're children of the King. For that mom today that's struggling... You'll notice that the four people that tore the roof off, the guy on the stretcher never asked for anything. The Bible said that he saw the four men's faith and spoke to the guy. He never said nothing. My children aren't even looking to the Lord. My no, no, no. When he saw their faith, he spoke to that man. And your faith moves things, changes things. And finally, before we go home, they didn't tell Jesus what to do. If I can just get it. Here you are in your prayer closet. I take my work situation. I take my marriage. I take my failing body. I take my children. And I stand in front of Jesus. We lower it there. And it's almost like the people are watching and you just walk off. And he said, what? I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're God. And that's the key. Get everything near Jesus. Get everything near Jesus. Every paralyzed thing near Jesus. Every incapable thing. Every diseased thing. Every broken thing. Get it near Jesus and be quiet. 
And watch, and he said, whether it's easy for me to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk, it's the same to me, and I'm going to show you. Get up. And in one moment's time, that man did what he couldn't do the moment before. Some of the things the Lord's doing for you are not progressive. They're instantaneous. It's just not getting any better. Well, sometimes it's not better till it's better. Al, thank you so much. Would y'all honor the message one more time this morning? Stand with us today.